Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. You get a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. You get three magazines mailed to you before they hit newsstands, including our legendary summer edition. And you get a year of access to Dave Campbell's Texan Live, our streaming service where you can watch thousands of live Texas high school events, including hundreds of live Texas high school football games. It's all part of a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscription. Get your today at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Get on up with Dark and Bold from Community Coffee. Look for it at your local grocery or communitycoffee.com. Football season can get a little hectic from grabbing snacks for the tailgate to fueling your kids for practice. Experience drone delivery with Wing. Get fast, safe, and eco-friendly delivery in 30 minutes or less. Now in select neighborhoods in Dallas-Fort Worth. To see if Wing has landed in your neighborhood, visit wing.com slash Texas football. Hi, I'm Jennifer Potter, Executive Director of Be Well Texas. Too many people are struggling alone these days, and alcohol and drug deaths are increasing. We started Be Well Texas to offer high-quality, science-based addiction treatment and recovery services anywhere, virtually or in person. In many cases, there is no cost for treatment or medications if you don't have insurance. Really. Welcome to Be Well Texas. We're glad you're here. Visit BeWellTexas.org. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by BCR Now. Are you looking for an opportunity to captivate and enhance the experience of those who visit your stadium, arena, house of worship, or business? VCR Now can help you achieve that goal with a total experience. VCR Now is a technology organization that can fulfill your LED, audio, video, lighting, networking, security, and infrastructure dreams. Visit vcrnow.com to learn more. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. And get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a program online. My name is Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live, TexasFootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all the places, or you'll listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support your local mediocre internet show i am sitting here sitting over there at the helm today making us sound good she's the duchess of dorks miss 305 miss 915 miss 956 she's ashley Perry. i had a i had a acquaintance text me earlier asking a question and wow. uh they wow. you're just flaming this person be like we're not friends Oh, no, I just didn't have their phone number. I've only corresponded with them over email before, okay, got it, yes. um, which they definitely got my number, I would assume, from my email signature. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, they had a 915 number, and I was like, I didn't realize you were from El Paso. And I was like, yeah, we're in that sickos committee of a oh, yeah. area code pops up almost yeah. anywhere across the state, and it's like, oh, I know where that's from. Yeah, I would have, like, I wouldn't be able to tell you, like, specifically because there's there's some area codes that have like a 
big wide swath. Yeah, three two five is a huge one. Three two five. You could be like like y'all's yeah. neck of the woods in Lano, or you could be, be in, in like Angelo, or San, San Angelo. Angelo. Yeah. yeah, it's like that's a huge group swath uh, of Texas. But like, I know that if you have a three two five number, you're not calling me from like Texarkana. Canada. Yeah, exactly. You know, or something like that. Anyway, today is Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah Thursday, January fourth, twenty twenty. That means Friday. Twenty twenty four. It is three hundred twenty nine days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Victor Wimbanyama. Oh, nice. Go Victor Wimbanyama is twenty years old today. Good uh, a good good basketball player. Good yes. basketball player. So good. In fact, let's check the NBA standings. Um, okay, this seems like Mavericks it are sitting at twenty well and fifteen in. on the year. That's fine. You know, I know Kyrie Irving's been hurt. Let's just. I'm looking for the. Uh, they're in the Western Conference, right? Okay, I gotta scroll down. Scroll down. Huh. If y'all were wondering, I turned his mic off. <laughs> this is good. Are you ready to move on now? You're on. Okay, excellent. Uh, it is episode 1,713 with the 5 and 28 San Antonio yeah. Spurs. On today's show, folks, <laughs> Leave them alone. Uh, we're going to take a look at the college football world. Uh, of course, uh, listen to Republic Football. They had an episode yesterday. Um, but we are going to do our own recap extravaganza. Specifically, I want to take the 13 FBS teams and talk about where they've finished relative to our preseason expectations. We'll kind of talk about each and every one of them uh, for a little bit here on the Texas Football Today College Football Recap Extravaganza, at least the FPS Recap Extravaganza. So we'll have that coming up here in just a moment. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do, as I pull it up because it went away and now it's back. It did go away. Um, let's go with Ed McElroy, jersey number 69, nice. Jacob McNeil. Yes, you finally got it. And Big Jiggly Water Balloons. Welcome in, fellas. Yes. Welcome in, friends. We appreciate you spending a little bit of your day with us uh, here on, on Thursday, Thursday, January 4th. Um, and a an episode of Texas Football Today in which we're going to talk a little bit of college football. The college football season, as we mentioned, ended on Monday with Texas's loss in the college football playoff. There is still the FCS National Championship game, which is on Sunday. Do you know it's on Sunday? Like, they're, they're legitimately competing with the NFL. Why would they? Wait, the National Championship? The FCS National Championship game. Oh, FCS. Yeah. Okay. And then the, F- the FBS champ- national championship game is on is on Monday. Yeah, that's where isn't it? Isn't it still up here? It is still in it Frisco. Yes. Frisco? Uh, do you know who's playing? I do not. South Dakota State and They've Montana. Okay, Montana is surprising. Oh, shout out Danny Davis. The fighting Danny Davises. Nice. That's exactly right. Anyway, I did know that actually. But there's not a Texas team in that. There's not a Texas team in uh, left the college football. There team. wasn't even a Texas team in the FCS playoffs. Period. I know. That's wild. Rough. But uh, the college football season has come to a close here in the state of Texas. And as a result, it's a good time to take a look back on the 13 FBS teams across the state of Texas and do a little bit of recap. Because, you know, look, I think that like we're talking about with, with high school teams in the same way with college teams, you have to grade these things on a curve. Okay. I don't think there was anybody who entered this year thinking, all right, 
national champions, Texas State Bobcats. Yeah, no, right, no way. I don't think anybody thought that coming into the year. I don't think, I don't think there is anybody who 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 thought, okay, they're going to be, you know, these uh, these teams are going to be competing, contending for a national championship. So instead, what we wanted to do is I wanted to grade these teams on a scale relative to what we perceived to be their preseason expectations, what we thought their expectations were coming into the year. Um, they're in kind of a rough ranking, as you'll see, but they are essentially, I wanted to, to say, did they exceed expectations? Did they fall short of expectations? Did they more or less meet expectations? So let's talk about it. Here is my group. Here's here's my graphic that I came up with. From the, If you're the farthest left, that means you greatly exceeded expectations. If you're the farthest right, it means you greatly fell short of expectations. And actually, I'm going to throw it up on my uh, my screen as well so that we can actually um, so we can, it doesn't have to be on this, this uh, thing the entire time. So that's what I came up with. Now, your mileage may vary. This is my opinion on this, on this situation. Um, and I guess we'll start probably, we should probably start on, on the right side and, and, and end yeah. on a high note, right? So we're going to talk, first of, all, first of all, about the team that I think fell the shortest of expectations, and that would be the Baylor Bears, um, who are all the way on the right, falling short of expectations. It's interesting because I think that we went into this year thinking that this was going to be a very big, important year for... Um, for Dave Aranda. Mm-hmm. Coming off of what I perceive to be a pretty disappointing 2022 season, mm-hmm. right? Where they uh, made it to a bowl game but then got trounced in the uh, by Air Force in, in, in the bowl game and finished, I believe, uh, six and seven. But Baylor, you know, Baylor did finish six and seven in 2022. And I thought, I think there was thought of, okay, get transferred in Sawyer Robertson, have some pieces to replace, but a big year coming for the Baylor Bears. Yeah, especially because the year before last, it felt like they they had a good team. They just couldn't find a quarterback that could right. either, one, stay healthy, yeah. or, or yes. two, accomplish anything in the offense. Right. So it was like, find a quarterback in the transfer portal, and you, you should be pretty good. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Instead, Baylor finishes 3-9, and nine, uh, tumbles... Uh, in their in their rankings, and specifically, the offense was um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, one of those was a win over an FCS school. Yes, that you've probably one never the, even one heard of. Their, of. One of their wins was Long Island um, something. Long Island was LIU. And then another one of those wins was remember that crazy comeback against UCF. Mm-hmm. This was a disastrous season for <laughs> Baylor, and what I think is most problematic. The offense was bad. 101st in, in scoring offense, right? It was bad. We can admit that. What is most concerning moving forward about Baylor is that their defense was capital B bad. 116th in total defense. Yeah. Okay? 116th. They were, let me look at this, the second worst defense among FBS teams in the state of Texas. For There's Dave no Aranda, excuse for that. For, he was he was the defensive coordinator when LSU went to the championship. He's a defensive. He's known as a defensive guru. Known as a defensive guru. So I think it's fair to say that probably the most disappointing team in Texas was the Baylor Bears. Yes, I agree. Second on that list, I would say was UTEP. Okay. Now look, obviously it's easy to say this after the fact. 
because they made a coaching change um, with Dana Dimmel out. But for UTEP, I think there was this, they were not held to the same standards of a Texas, okay? This is an example of a team that nobody thought was going to be out there, um, you know, especially in a new look. But but I do think that, that what's important to remember is that I think there was a thought of, okay, for UTEP, they have an opportunity to go out there and maybe establish themselves as as a an upper ish tier team in the new look conference USA. Mm-hmm. Right? Let's remember that that was I think there was some hope that this would be the year that they could kind of in a, in a kind of a a Transition. transitional year of the conference USA that they could they could pounce. Which is funny because that's the exact same thing we said about Baylor. Oh, new look new Big, Big 12. 12. Go ahead yeah, and even, establish even, yourself. Even like, with Texas, Texas and OU Oklahoma in it, still, still in there. I think you're right. It was like you have competition like Houston that was not at that level. Like go up there and try to do something and it did it not didn't. work. <laughs> uh, everything was bad for UTEP, but especially bad was the offense. The offense averaged. I mean, Pickle, the offense av- was the worst in, in Texas. It averaged less than 20 points a game. Yeah, I mean... You're just not going to win. No. You're just not going to win. No, because... And then... And I know... The only way that you do... You win with averaging 20 points is when you have the most unbelievable defense. Yeah. That's how you do it. And they didn't have either of those. They they couldn't sell on the quarterback. They bounced between... they they, They bounced between Cade McConnell and Kevin Hardison. They couldn't run the ball, which is concerning... Um, and Dana Dimmel is gone after after that disappointing year. They go three and nine. And I would say even by the relatively um, measured expectations for UTEP, this was a disappointing year. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of teams that made a coaching change, let's talk about the Houston Cougars, who are next on this list that I have straddling fell short and greatly fell short. Yeah, that seems right. Because for one thing... I would say that it's important to remember that they did change leagues too, and they made a step up moving to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. But, and we talked about this when Dana Holgerson got fired, Dana Holgerson was brought in kind of to shepherd them through the transition of, bring, of going to the Big 12. Get right. them to the Big 12 and shepherd them through it. The problem is when they showed up in the Big 12, um, it didn't go well, <coughs> uh, kind of at all. And specifically, the defense was not up to snuff, and the offense was was not good either. They go four and eight. More importantly, and I think more damning, is they go two and seven in conference play. Yeah. And the other thing, plain and simple, they lost to Rice. Yep. And that's can't do that. There's the thing where for me it's the fell short of expectations because they go out there and they lose to Rice. That you can't do that. But then they turn around and they almost beat Texas. Yes. And it's like that that was the hardest part about watching that team all year was saying, Okay, you'll go out there and you play to your competition. So you lose games that you should absolutely destroy people mm-hmm. in and yet you'll go out there and almost beat the team that just played in the college football right. playoff. By it literally was decided with thirty seconds left and on a fourth down play. Right. I would say that, you know, for Dana Holgerson, obviously he's out of a job. But for Houston, this was a disappointing debut in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And I think no no two ways around. So now we'll get to the the two that I think were the hardest to categorize. Yeah. Start with TCU. I put them in the fell short of expectations category. 
Now, it's important to remember, I think, that coming into the year, with all of the guys who are going off to the NFL, I think there was this notion of, okay, TCU's not going to be in, in the playoff again. No. I don't think anybody thought they were going to be in the playoff again. No. But to go from national finalist to five and seven. Yeah, I would have said like expectation was probably eight and four. Yeah, I think so. That seems right. Yeah, I think eight and four. Take a step back, a measured step back, but still establishing yourself as, okay, you're in the upper crust of the new Big 12. And just wait until they have another year of recruiting under their belt after just being in the national championship. Maybe things will kind of turn around again. And for me... The bottom fell out of the defense. Yep. That was a big part of it. And then I go back. I, I, I hate to keep harping on this. They had a couple of absolutely baffling losses. Absolutely baffling losses, at least after the fact. Yep. Right? When they lost to Colorado in the opener at home, I think all of us were like, man, maybe Deion Sanders has figured things out of Colorado. Nope. Mm-mm. No. Oh, they just weren't very good. Yeah, that that's a loss that aged very bad. Very, it aged like milk. The other one that aged like milk, in my opinion, was they lost to Iowa State. Yep. That game is not a game you can lose. They 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 went they back to back losses to West Virginia and Iowa State. They were so inconsistent. I don't think the West Virginia one aged well either. West Virginia was better than they than, 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 they, than, have than they have been. But but you should never welcome in West Virginia to your home turf and right. lose. To lose if, that, if you were in West Virginia, that would be a different story. You should never lose at home to West What's Virginia. What's so interesting about them is that I think they were the most they <laughs> they probably were the most inconsistent team in Texas because at times. They look pretty good. Mm-hmm. They took Texas to the wire, mm-hmm. right? They beat SMU yep. soundly, right? They had some wins that were pretty good, but some of they they just could not find consistent consistency, especially defensively. Yeah, which is why I think them and Houston were right on the right, right on the verge. Right. So then, let's talk about Sam Houston. So Sam Houston is the newest, of course, the newest uh, FBS member joining Conference USA this year. And it's your mileage may vary on this one. This is the one that I expect to hear people complain about, maybe. Because for Sam Houston, they go three and nine. Now, it's important to remember that there was a moment there with Sam Houston where they were 0 and 8, and we were thinking, boy, Y'all better beat Kennesaw State, or we might be staring at a winless ball club. Mm-hmm. Right? We might be staring 0 and 12 in the face. Instead, they rattle off the final three. Yeah, we'll put that back up. Yeah, I just wanted to, sorry, real fast. We have some people asking where Texas State is. You can't see it in the camera view, but I oh, wanted God. everybody to know Texas State is Don't on there worry. exactly where you want them to be. They'll, uh, we'll they'll, get there. They'll be the last team we talk yeah, about. Yeah, sorry. I wanted to sh- flash that yes, up real fast so idea. people saw it. This is, but for Sam Houston, this was a team that they win three of their final four and move out of the red into the orange, in my opinion. Now, again, it depends on where your expectations were for this team. Mm -hmm. 
they're making the leap to FBS. This was, and I mean this in a nice way, very clearly not an FBS roster as far as depth is concerned. No. I think their ones could, could hang in Conference USA, but you saw this over and over and over. They ran out of gas because they ran out of depth. Mm-hmm. They lost so Plain many close games. They lost a ton of close games. I would say they still fell short of expectations, but I would say that overall at three and nine, they're probably closer to met expectations than they were greatly exceeded, or greatly f- fell short of expectations, mm-hmm. in my opinion. We'll do one more before we take a break here. And that is, let's talk about the Texas Tech Red Raiders, which was another team that I had trouble placing. Yeah. I have them straddling met expectations and fell short of expectations. Okay. Because for Texas Tech, I think this was a bit of a hangover from 2022. Mm-hmm. Joey McGuire comes in, just breathes some new life into this program. They have a great, they had, I think they really exceeded expectations in 2022. And there was a lot of hype coming in 2023. Mm-hmm. Pretty clearly, they, it became apparent that this was not going to be 2022, 2023 again, mm-hmm. or 2022 again. And, I'm not sure if I can really identify exactly what happened. Part of it is that, like, they just, like, they didn't convert as many fourth downs as they did last year. Like, they won on the margins a lot in 2022. Mm -hmm. And 2023, they just didn't win on the margins very much. They lost, I mean, after all their one-score wins in 2022, they had a one-score loss to Wyoming, a one-score loss to Oregon, let's remember, a one-score loss to West Virginia. And, yeah, so they have three one-score losses. Now, I still think the arrow's pointing up, and I don't want to bury them what they did, because they did rally and they made a bowl and they won a bowl, and that matters. They finished seven and six. And for for considering the momentum of the program, I think that, that is an important it was an important flurry where they won four three of their final four games to make a bowl mm-hmm. and then they won a bowl. Yeah. That's important. But I think considering where this thing started and there was talk of Texas Tech maybe rising into that upper echelon of the Big 12, mm-hmm. that didn't happen in 2023. And I think that that puts them kind of in that, you did okay, but probably not what people were Oh, hoping. that's the hard part about walking in and setting it, the expectation yeah. being so high because then when you don't mirror that – if they had it's if they had been worse in 2022, yeah. this would be a different conversation. But they changed the expectation in 2022, and as a result, I think they fell a little bit short expectations in 2023. We'll start talking about more positive things here in a moment, but first, let's hear from a word from our these goods and services. <laughs> <clears throat> I feel like busted loose, ah, busted loose. Come on. Hi, I'm Jennifer Potter, Executive Director of Be Well Texas. Too many people are struggling alone these days and alcohol and drug deaths are increasing. We started Be Well Texas to offer high quality, science-based addiction treatment and recovery services anywhere, even at home. We provide compassionate, caring support, virtually or in person. In many cases, there is no cost for treatment if you don't have insurance, really. Welcome to Be Well Texas, we're glad you're here. 
Wing is the largest residential drone delivery provider in the world, delivering to your home in less than 30 minutes. Order using an app just like other popular delivery services, and Wing's automated drone takes care of the rest. It's fast, safe, and sustainable, and it's now delivering to parts of Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. You can learn more at wing.com slash texasfootball. Again, that's wing.com slash texasfootball. Born and bred in Texas hits a little different, as it should. Texas loves doing business with fellow Texans. VCR now takes its Texas roots as seriously as its many partnerships with schools and universities around the state. It's also why we're so proud to promote our brand in the pages of the Texas Bible, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and on the airwaves of Texas Football Today. Driven by producing quality broadcast video, state-of-the-art audio, and LED video scoreboards at affordable prices, VCR now makes sure to listen to your needs in its athletic department before recommending the next best steps. Building great products is our business, and it's our focus on building meaningful long-term partnerships with our clients that sets us apart. From our 24-7, 365-day help desk, the training lab in our hometown of Red Oak, or our sports marketing business plan that puts money back in the hands of our athletic departments we support, VCR Now is built to last. Reach out to us today at info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855 855- Go VCR now. Again, that's info at vcrnow.com or by calling 855 Go VCR now. Back here on Texas Football Today, it's our college football recap spectacular. I'm Greg, that's Ashley. We're talking about teams and where they finished relative to expectations, and we've moved on to the Texas AM Aggies. And I have them just failing expectations. Yeah, basically. And I have a really hot take. Maybe this is the hottest take of all. Okay. I don't think Hayden was that bad in 2023. Now they finished seven and six, right? They finished seven and six and you are what your record says you are. The loss to Miami wasn't great. But they had a one score loss to Alabama. They had a one score loss at Tennessee. They had a one score loss at Ole Miss. And then, by the way, they were in the game at LSU for a while. They lost by 12, but they were in that game for, for a hot minute. Without a head coach, by the way. Because they had already fired Jimbo Fisher. I'm not here to tell you Jimbo Fisher shouldn't have been fired. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this team, especially considering the injury to quarterback, and that they had to go to Max Johnson pretty quickly in this season... And then eventually we're on in the bowl game, they ended up being on like their fourth string quarterback. I think AM at seven and six, depending, you know, I know AM fans have high expectations for their program every year, but I think AM at to finish the regular season seven and five is a little bit worse than I thought they would. I think they'd go about eight and four. Was how I had them pegged. Ten and two was the high end, six and six was the low end. So I think they fell short of their expectations. And Jimbo Fisher probably should have been fired because that's not the expectation at A&M. Mm-hmm. But considering the program and what they were, what they had coming into 2023, this wasn't a terrible team. Like this wasn't, this wasn't a team that, w- that went and got embarrassed week in and week out. I understand that it's disappointing and frustrating for, for A&M fans because they expect more. And especially the expectation is it was in many ways tied to what they were paying their head coach. Mm-hmm. But overall, this is a 
middle-of-the-road team in the SEC that lost a couple of close games and were probably three or four plays away from being 9-3. and three. Yeah, I think it's... I think the expectations were a little bit higher, maybe considering who he brought into some coordinator yes, spots. I agree. And it's like, okay, your defense has been really good for quite a while. Now mm-hmm. the defense is not as good. The offense has been the part that's been mm-hmm. the up and down and up and down and up and down. It's like, okay, you bring in a new offensive coordinator, someone that you think is supposed to work really well, and it didn't happen. What if I told you they were top 25 in scoring offense? Yeah. Which I guess on a backup quarterback is crazy. Mm-hmm. Score more points than Missouri, who won the Cotton Bowl. You can't let Miami walk into Kyle Field and do that, though. No, it was like at that, Miami. No, it was at Miami. It was at, oh, they was lost, it? Yeah. And, they, and by the way... Which yeah, one was, did they drop at home, then? Was it Mississippi State at home? Alabama. Man, the, I thought they... Lost Alabama at home. Yo, that was their... Yeah, that was their only home loss, was Alabama. Okay. I'm For telling reason, you. I thought the I'm Miami telling you. I know we home. got all caught up in the fog of war because of, oh my gosh, is Jimbo Fisher going to get fired? Yeah. But, like... This team wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. I know that's that's hardly any consolation for, for Aggie fans, but in my opinion, this team wasn't that bad. Did they fall short of expectations? Yes, but not as much as you think. So now we'll go to Denton, to the North Texas Mean Green. Yeah. And I have them just barely falling short of expectations. First-year coach in Eric Morris, and they came in, and I guess a lot of the question was, what was your expectation for North Texas going to be? So North Texas finishes the year, was it five and seven? Yeah. Finishes the year five and seven. Oh, geez. Yeah, five and seven. Three and five in conference, though. Um, why that off? Put that back on. I'll put that back on. Okay. Went five and seven. Went three and five in conference. It's important to remember, again, they were making a a leap to a tougher conference Mm -hmm. with a new coach and trying to figure things out. And by the way, if you brought in Eric Morris to fix the offense, great news. Mm -hmm. 20th in scoring offense. Offense, pretty darn good. Now, there is another side of the ball. And they appeared to more or less forget about that at times. That was the worst defense in the nation for basically the entire season. If they they might have ended the worst defense in the nation. It was the defense was very bad. The worst defense in Texas. It was the third worst defense in the nation as far as they give thirty seven points a game. You can't do that. No. Now, again. I think if you had told me before the year, hey, North Texas is going to go 5-7, and seven, I'd say it's about right. The, it was, the loss to FIU was I think it's the way that jarring. It right. I think You nor- expect to lose to Cal. They put up a good game against them. I think nor- Here's the funny thing. I think North Texas, 5-7, and seven, like, I think you can make an argument that A&M was better than a 7-5 and five team. Mm-hmm. Okay? I think 5-7 and seven is exactly what North Texas was, and that's about what I thought they were going to be. Yeah. So for North Texas, for Eric Morris, I think you say, all right, it's not a year zero, but it's a retrenching year. And now the expectation has to increase moving forward. Then we have the team that's right in the middle, the UTSA Roadrunners. And what is interesting is that I think there was a, there was a, a time early in the year 
where we were not thinking this was going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is a team that started the year one and three. Now they ran a tough schedule, right? Yep. Well, at the at from the outside, it looked like a tough schedule. But what's so funny, Pickle, <laughs> their non-conference. Okay, they, let's let's put out at Tennessee. We knew that was probably going to be a loss. It was. Their first three games of the year at Houston, mm-hmm. home to Texas State, and home to Army. They go one and two in those, and not in the way that you think. Nope. They beat Texas State. Mm-hmm. Let's remember that, which now looks like a pretty decent win. But they lose to Houston, which now doesn't look like a very good loss. Mm-mm. And they lose to Army, which, by the way, does not look like a very good no, loss. No, that was, that was a the shocking bad loss. loss. Now, remember, Frank Harris was banged up for a lot of the season. But after that, after that 1-3 and three start, they go 8-1. and one, And they make it to the conference championship game. And they lose in the conference championship game, right? You know, that that's the way that, you know, they lose to Tulane. Um, no, I'm sorry. They didn't make the conference championship. No, game. they didn't. Make they it. they lost to Tulane in the in the the regular season finale to just fall short of the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. To me, considering all the changes that they had there at UTSA, moving up a moving up a a, a conference, plain and simple, moving from conference USA to the American, I think to come within a whisker of the American Athletic Conference championship is about what we expected. We expected them to establish themselves as one of the teams to beat in the AAC. Mm-hmm. They did. And it wasn't always pretty. But this is a team that finished 9-4. and four. Mm-hmm. I think if you had told us before the year, hey, UTSA moving from the American Athletic Conference, I'm sorry, moving Conference to the USA. American Athletic Conference, is going to finish with nine wins, you'd say, sounds about right. Sounds like they had a nice year. That's what I think with UTSA. I think that is exactly what we thought. It may have been a roundabout way to get there. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're a UTSA fan, this is right at about the expectation level. It's a decent year. So now let's talk about the Rice Owls. And Rice, I had some guy who got real mad at me. Because I I said that I thought Rice had a pretty decent 2023. Some guy was like, man, you just don't get it. They finished with another losing season. Mike Bloomgren has now been the coach there at Rice for six seasons. Mm-hmm. You throw out 2020, if you're in 2020, for a variety of reasons. Do you remember in 2020, there was a, we got like into October and they had not played a game yet? Yeah. And we were talking about how we were coming on here. I think that we were still they in the had power four poll. games that they hadn't played. We were still in the power poll. And I think that like you and I were having conversations about like, there's a chance Rice just doesn't play this yep. year. Throughout 2020. Every year, they have won more games than the year before. He took over a team that was one and eleven. They go six and seven this year. They win their final game against Florida Atlantic to get bowl eligible and make it to the first responder bowl. Now they lose to Texas State in the first responder bowl to finish six and seven. But I think if you're Rice, a win over Houston mm-hmm. and making a bowl at six and six. I think I just don't understand what the like what, like what, what has and, and led by the you, way moving up to the American Athletic Conference yeah what, what has, was the expectation supposed to be and I don't understand in recent history 
what would have happened that would have made right. that expectation any higher? I just don't. I mean, people go back to the David Bailiff years, the salad days, where basically they went 10 and 4 in 2013. Yep. Okay. 10 and 4 in 2013. They have won not, they like, they have won six. Let me, here's the number of times they have won six or more games since the turn of the century. Okay. Ready? 2001, they went 8 and 4. 2006, they went 7 and 6. 2008, they went 10 and 3. 12 and 13, they went they won 7 and 10 games respectively. Mm-hmm. They won 8 games in 2014. That's it. They That's it. Yeah, they haven't done it. Since this is like you can make an argument this is like the sixth best season in Rice it's at Rice since the turn of the century. Yeah. So I think when I take a look at this, that's right in like the fat part of the bell curve mm-hmm. to make a bowl moving up to moving up and and to me what nudges them maybe closer to exceeding expectations that they beat Houston. Yeah, North Texas moved up and they didn't make a bowl game. Absolutely. I think for I think for Rice this was a decent solid year, right in the middle of the fat part of the bell curve. So we get to the final three teams. And by the way, yeah, let me. There you go. <laughs> I can also put that. You can throw it back up there. Final three teams. Let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. And I, 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 I toyed with this one a bit. Because it's important to go back in time and remember that heading into the year, the talk about Texas was they should win the conference and they better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That the Big 12 looked like it was going to be down. They looked like the best team in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They should win the conference. Mm-hmm. They went 11-1 in the regular season. They lost to Oklahoma in a wild game, right? Which is one of the Red most coin, ta- coin flip games every single year. It's Red River. They lose to Oklahoma. They beat Alabama at Alabama. They make the college football playoff. And it didn't play out this way. This is not the game state of it. But they lose by one score in the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm to a national finalist in Washington. The expectations were high. I don't think they greatly exceeded those expectations. If they'd won that game on Monday, maybe we might be having a different conversation. We probably wouldn't be doing the segment, to be real honest. But I think that you can safely say that they exceeded expectations. Yeah. Maybe it's by virtue of going to Alabama and getting that win. Mm-hmm. But I think for, for Texas, this was... A, especially now heading into the SEC, mm-hmm. you can look at what they did in 2023 and say, okay, they're ready for prime time. If they would have, it might have been even more moved into the green if they would have beat OU in the yes. fashion that they did the year before yes. that when they 49 to nothing. Them, yes. That would have been a little bit different. Absolutely. But I think if you're, if you're Texas, I know it hurts. Like you're not happy about how the season ended. This is still an excellent year. Oh, yeah. And to make the college football playoff is... It, like I think that was not necessarily the expectation heading into the year. I think the thought, the thought was, win the Big Twelve, lose to Alabama, lose one other game, win the Big Twelve, go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yep. To make the playoff, I think, makes us an exceeded expectation. And to go to Tuscaloosa and win. Yes. So then we got the final two. Let's talk about the SMU Mustangs. SMU, in a new look. American Athletic Conference, I think was facing a really important year and was facing a year 
where they had to prove that, look, in this new look AAC, it's going to run through us. All you newcomers, you're going to have to go through SMU to do it. And for Rhett Lashley and company, I think that that was important for them to establish that. And plain and simple, to make it to the conference championship or to, to win the conference championship, to be the American Athletic Conference champions, to go to Tulane and beat them. I know that losing to Boston College in the in the in the you know Fenway Bowl is not necessarily the best way to end it, but to go eleven and three, and to show that you are in fact the team to beat, you know you're going to enter next year as the reigning conference champions. To be top 12 in both scoring offense and scoring defense is a dream. Mm -hmm. It's a dream. And yes, the only thing that knocks them down and and to me knocks them behind Texas State, we'll get to them in a moment, is the loss to TCU. Yep. That would have been perfection. Mm -hmm. And then obviously the bowl loss, but again, I, I think you throw that out. This was an outrageously successful year for SMU. And the kind of year that you can build your program off of. You can vault your program off of. I think for SMU, this was a spectacular year. But it wasn't the most spectacular year. Folks, let's talk about the Texas State Bobcats. G.J. Kinney. It is important, again, to remember where we started with this. Mm-hmm. New coach. Roster overhaul. Did, had so many questions about this Texas State team coming into the year. Mm-hmm. So many questions. And by the way, the Sun Belt was not exactly looking like it was going to be one of the, you know, uh, uh, necessarily a pushover, right? Looked like it was going to be a tough year in the Sun Belt. To go and make the first bowl in program history, to win a bowl... Mm-hmm. In your first year as a head coach there, or FBS head coach, G.J. Kinney, is nothing short of, like, plain and simple, shocking. Mm-hmm. Go back and think about where we thought about this Texas State team. We were like, man, four wins? Four wins would be great. Yep. Four wins would be a really nice year. They won seven. They won seven. They got into a bowl by winning six games. They didn't go, they didn't APR their way in. They won it by winning six games. And by the way, here's a fun fact. 12th in the nation in scoring offense. The second best scoring offense in Texas, only behind SMU. Yep. And I would also submit to you that I don't think, you know, now their defense left something to be desired, right? Right. But... But G.J. Kinney's an offensive guy. As far as taking a step Mm -hmm. and proving that that things are going to be different, I think Texas State blew away all expectations in 2023. I don't think that even... I don't think that even the most ardent Texas State homer could have in July said, yeah, we're going 7-6. and I think that this was a spectacular season it wasn't perfect and there's room to grow but as far as the trajectory is concerned this was a monumental year for texas state 
And I have no notes, basically. Improve the defense a little bit. I have no notes besides that. Yeah. And I think that what G.J. Kinney and company is doing, I think, I think, like, honestly, I was a little disappointed he didn't get Coach of the Year run. Yeah. But that's because that, that, that award isn't given. It's given, they're going to give it to, like, Kalen DeBoer, yeah. right? I think what G.J. Kinney and the staff did down there was spectacular and exceeded the expectations of pretty much everybody. So there you go. That's our look at the 13 FBS teams across the state of Texas and how they fared in 2023. What do you think? Design your own graphic and send it to Pickle. Ashley underscore Pickle 12 on Twitter. No. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Um, coming up at 2 o'clock today, WTF, Mallory Hartley. Oh, wow, you're and- back! We are back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of state championships because we haven't been able to do that and then talk about some of the bowl games that we missed. So just kind of a, another little recap, but from Mallory and I's perspective. Get, so get, some, uh, get some WTF in your life. Yeah. Pickle and Mallory coming up here at 2 o'clock. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Play of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.